This is Abby, and you are listening to Upsound. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Upzone, a show where we take a big story that touches the Strong Towns conversation and we upzone it. We talk about it in depth. I'm Abby, an urban planner in Kansas City. And joining me today, we have TJ Roberts, who is the owner of Kinship Cafe located in Kansas City, Kansas, mm-hmm. not to be mistaken with Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, and he is the subject of today's story. So, TJ, thank you so much for joining. I'm very appreciative of being here. Thank you. And we also have Dennis Strait on the program. He was actually quoted in the article that we are covering today. He's also happens to be my boss. He's a principal at Multi Studio and also is the champion behind the Making a Great City speaker series, which is partnered with the Kansas City Library. And that has really brought the Strong Towns conversation to Kansas City in Kansas City, Kansas, and has brought ways of thinking about our cities and our region to this place. So I'm really happy that you were able to join us today, Dennis. Thank you, Abby. Sometime I'm going to get to introduce you and put all that credit back where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. So let's get into the article. Yeah. This was published in the Kansas City Star mm-hmm. and written by Kevin Hardy. It is entitled Parking Rules Threaten One of Casey Area's Few Black-Owned Coffee Shops. So it's covering a debacle that is happening in Kansas City, Kansas with Kinship Cafe. Kinship Cafe is located in the downtown area and and recently replaced a defunct cupcake business that operated there before. It now represents a important community destination and marketplace in the downtown area of KCK. The owner who joins us today uh, transformed this place with his own hands and has been in business since 2021. Recently, a development company called Eagle Point Development is proposing an apartment project just across the intersection from the coffee shop. Normally this would be a benefit to the coffee shop if it weren't for the city's parking regulations. The developers are facing pushback from the Board of Zoning Appeals who want them to add more parking than is currently being proposed. The landlord of Kinship Cafe is in talks with Eagle Point Development about selling the property to fulfill the board's request for more parking. This would involve demolishing Kinship Cafe and adding a surface parking lot. So TJ, I again want to thank you so much for joining today. I know that you have, I'm sure, a lot going on with your schedule and not only running a business, but also trying to save it at this point. I really feel for your story and hope that getting the word out can be helpful or do some kind of good. So I appreciate your willingness to join. Um, But before we jump into the details of what's going on right now, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about your story, number one, and how Kinship Cafe came to be and why it is so valuable and important to the community? For sure. For sure. And uh, again, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to share that and to be here. So thank you, Abby and Dennis. So yeah, getting started, it probably started when I was 10 years old. My dad is a, he was a bivocational pastor uh, and still is growing up. And he's been doing that uh, for the better of his life. And so for me, I grew up playing uh, music and 
we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that down the road, but was playing music at my dad's church on the worship team. And so, you know, you're, you're playing before everyone gets to church to practice and somebody's got to drink coffee, like with the worship leader. So I was the one making the coffee. And then my dad's like, well, why don't you just do that for the church? And that was Folgers and that was great. And everyone was happy. (laughs) So uh, that worked out well. And that's kind of where I learned my chops. And I, I think they always told me, you know, you drink coffee at that age, it's going to start your growth. And at that age, I wanted to be a football player in the NFL. And so I wasn't drinking coffee, um, but I was like enticed about the relationship that came with coffee. Our church was a very diverse church with uh, it being in Manhattan, Kansas and being in a college town and being next to a military base. And so lots of interchanging relationships and people moving to and from, getting shipped and, you know, off to to war at that time. There was, you know, different wars going on and um, lots of transition. And so people from different backgrounds were always coming to and from uh, this church and seeing how they would, like, set their money aside or their political views aside or their own personal maybe biases aside. Uh, Coffee was what kind of what was the element I noticed that at 10 that did that. And so... I have this phrase, coffee plus people equals community. Um, very rarely do I sit in a coffee shop and you know see one person sitting by themselves. Maybe they're working on something, sure, or reading a book or journaling or getting their schedule organized like I do. But most times they're sitting with a friend or a colleague or a family member and two people, if you look at it in the dictionary, is community. So that's two or more, and, and that's kind of all happening around a warm cup or a cold cup, if you're me, beverage of coffee. And so I noticed all of these things happening with coffee at 10 and didn't really think anything of it, honestly. Didn't think I was going to own a coffee shop. Again, I wanted to be a football player. Um, And I pursued that avenue for like, you know, my most teen and college life. Got to play at K-State. I'm kind of leaving out a lot of stuff in between. But essentially, like in 2000, and 16, I was running an insurance practice in Leewood, Kansas, here in Kansas City, and was the only African-American working for this insurance firm. Out of 1,800 agents in eight states, I was one of six. Um, and out of the metro, I was one of four that owned my agency as an African-American. So it was a very... Uh, a unique, interesting time in 2016. Business was going great. I won Rookie of the Year at that company and was a top performing producer for the first four years that I was there. I'm no longer there. It's that's a whole nother debacle. But uh, <laughs> um, it was a, it was definitely a spur in this. But in 2016, I'm having all these meetings in coffee shops, Black Dog, Ro- Roastery, Messenger. Um, were the ones that I would go frequently to, oddly correct. And so I was going to these coffee shops and I would have these meetings and it was just all eye-opening to me to see constant support, you know, from a business standpoint to see that many people come through in a day's time as I sit there four hours, have boom, 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 bang, 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 meeting after meeting and seeing friends uh, that I became to get to know as they were regulars to those coffee shops. And so that's when the idea came to me. Well, I remember this relationship with coffee at 10 and I really like these shops and the environments that they're creating. 
Um, but there's like still something that's not quite there. And honestly, I wasn't even sure at that time what that was. Mm-hmm. I was constantly in my business as an insurance agent, always giving back to my community, whether it was like pictures with Santa for underprivileged families, um, whether it was doing, um, I would gather my clients, we'd go to a charity and donate time at a charity every quarter. We would do like big barbecue cook-offs and different things like that to just help bring community to like my insurance business. Um, but it was weird. It was like, why do insurance people need to do that? Like there's people that were like, this is a salesy job and it feels maybe gimmicky that an insurance agent wants to do this. But at the time and still to my heart, that was what I really wanted to see where I wasn't trying to sell anything to people. I was trying to provide an environment that was safe and that was welcoming. And so for me, it was just, if that's safe and welcoming, like in your living room, you're able to talk about anything. And if you're feeling that way, then you're comfortable. Um, And so for me, that was just wanting to be a good host and have these events go off well. Fast forwarding to, to, you know, 2020, we all know what happened there. And that was a very strenuous time for me personally. I think every African-American can probably attest to some degree of just checking their support system uh, and their counterparts and people around them to see what the temperature of that was with George Floyd and just so many other, you know, Amon Arbery and just so many others, Breonna Taylor, like so many people that year that you you really had to check and see. And I started noticing a lot. And at that time in 2020, I was actually pretty much gung-ho, ready to run this coffee shop. Uh, 2019, I had gotten a job working at Roastery. And so by 2020, I had learned everything that I needed to know at that time that I felt like that coffee. Um, I know much more now. Um, so that's a joke. Uh, and so... You know, for me, uh, it it just snapped. It was like, okay, that's what's wrong. Like, there's really not representation for black and brown people in coffee. Um, I've been in coffee shops now for like the latter of like seven, eight years around this local area. And Kansas City is such a unique market. If you've never been to Kansas City, I strongly encourage you to come. Um, There's a long list of great coffee shops to come support. But the unique thing about coffee in Kansas City is that in the market, the, the the low man on the totem pole wins. The mom and pop coffee shops are highly supported more so than your large conglomerate capitalist approaches to coffee like Starbucks, Caribou, um, Scooters. Sure, they, they exist, um, but honestly, they do not do as well in sales per year as all of the locals. And that's something that uh, in every major city, that's the phenomenon of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And so I kept asking myself, why is that so interesting? It's because people here actually do want to experience culture. People do here do want to have an experience around, you know, going to grab something to eat or do something or, uh, with friends and family. There's an experience that people here, maybe it's because Midwest is slow and the pace of life allows that. You know, I have no idea. But people are more curious about wanting to support local initiatives like coffee. And that to me was a, a something that I observed. And as I was putting my business plan together in 2020, obviously it was like, well, I need a location. And, you know, there's not a lot of representation of these people in the industry. And I feel like I can create a community here with this business and I can, you know, work in insurance and I can run this coffee shop. And I had a team uh, that helped me run the insurance business. And so I was kind of just going to manage teams. And that was kind of the goal 
uh, was to manage teams. And so I was like, well, Wyandotte County definitely has all of the representation of those people in the, that county. And their saturation of, of coffee shops is not uh, a problem there. And to be honest, uh, the people in this community, the community that we're a part of now, Strawberry Hill, they, they've only been had access to one brand of coffee. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, oh, this is a no brainer. If I can find this and make this work uh, as far as the expenses side, I think we can make this happen. And so long story short, somebody called me out of the blue one day and said, I know you wanted to run a coffee shop and my friend's cupcake business just went out of business and they have a building and they need a tenant. And I was like, get the heck out. This is amazing. (laughs) And we met the owners and uh, I, I got to meet the owners and I showed up an hour before the meeting. It was a Saturday at like 10 o'clock and I showed up an hour before the meeting and I walked the entire block Mm -hmm. and I just walked and I just looked and I observed. I'd been in that area before, but I hadn't really observed and seen what was all around it. And as I was walking, there was a a hairdresser that's like three doors down from us at that time. And there was somebody coming out and I was like, oh my gosh, they're open. And it's a hairdresser. Like surely they know a lot about this neighborhood and this community. And so I knock on the door and somebody answers and we start talking and we have such a great conversation and I'm feeling so uplifted and I'm walking up to the building and we have garage doors on our building and they have these small slip windows. And I remember like looking in the window cause I'm super early and I look inside and I literally envision what the cafe is today. Mm-hmm. I literally saw it just the way it is. It was a little maybe different, but the color scheme, the layout, what I was wanting to have, uh, it was all like in plain sight. I, I saw the walls already down. I did a lot of the construction. So it was just such a weird thing to see that. And then when the expenses side lined up, it was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Once that happened and we were able to solidify the lease, three days later, I lost my job and everything changed, you know? Um, and, and that was just, you know, that was the times with, with layoffs and COVID and ex- and everything else. But there was also a lot of racial tension with me and my past company because of the George Floyd situation. And so it just kind of put that fire in me to make this mean something, mm-hmm. you know? And so we've never turned back. We've invited many, many different business owners that are black and brown to come into their, our space, to share that space with them, to allow them to share some of their, their, their made goods. You know, mostly we, we're supporting people that make things with their hands. Um, we don't do resell items or white label items simply because we want to value the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and the creator is, you know, this person that made their hands. And, and practically we don't, we don't own the building right now. <laughs> we don't need to, to worry about, uh, yeah, taking money from other people's businesses. You know, we don't own equity over these businesses. We have a few, um, like maybe 15 businesses that are in our location and our retail merchandise side, and we don't own any percentage of equity over their business. And so we don't take any of their profit um, because we don't own the building. Honestly, the rack that was given to, it was given to us that has their products on it. Like there's nothing that we can like ethically, (laughs) practically say, no, like we deserve this. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And, and so we're, we're practicing ethical 
efficient, simple ways to just stay out of the way because these business owners have inspiration and drive to you know, put themselves in a better situation to have their kids go through school, get better you know, food for their family or in a better living situation for their family. And there's no reason why we need to be in the middle of that because we have that same dream. We have that same goal. But we want to we want to hone in and, 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 and do coffee really well. You know, we tell people when we're bringing them on, we're not going to take your money because like we're just trying to do coffee really good. And if we do that really well, this is going to make you do really well because mm-hmm. people will come to the coffee and they will buy association, see your product sitting on the shelf and they will buy it mm-hmm. and they will follow you on Instagram. They will follow you at your next pop up. If you're loud about what you've got going on and we're loud about what we've got going on and we just are together supporting each other, it's just going to be a great thing. If you win, we win. If we win, you win. Like that's the way we think. And so that's just how we bring people on with that. And that has worked out really beautiful for those business owners um, to get to be seen, to get to be highlighted, to be shown like the work that they do with their hands. It's it's a really crazy, cool feeling that someone goes, did you make this? And I go, no, I did not. <laughs> I did not make that. And, and most times these people are frequents at our shop. And so I can literally point sometimes to the art. No, Corey, the artist over there that's on the wall, he he's the guy I'm pointing to. Him. He's the guy that made it. And that to me is like way more impact, impactful and influential in how we're like doing things. It's like yeah. that validation than just like calling myself a community builder, right. you know, and like making myself feel good about certain words when I'm really just – I'm not in this for any game. Mm. I'm in this for everybody else to get. And I, I think that that's hard to understand sometimes. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing Sorry, that. that. No, that, I appreciate that. <laughs> and that's, that's a beautiful uh, way to set up how important this is, not just to you, but to the people in your community that you're serving. I want to talk a little bit about value and the value of these kinds of initiatives and properties and businesses, because the way that I think leadership is looking at this as, you know, it's a real estate project. It's a real estate transaction. There's, they're trying to get parking and they're valuing parking in this way that is maybe blinding them to how important a, a little project, a little business, a little initiative, and how powerful small things can be, yeah. and that they really aren't small, mm-hmm. even if they are, you know, a little mm-hmm. coffee shop, yeah. right? Dennis, I want to bring you in to talk about why this is important because you've really taken the initiative to bring strong towns. Joe Manicozzi's study to Kansas City doing the value per acre assessments that talks about really the the financial value to cities of small scale. And I want to get your perspective on what you would say to leadership about this. Why should they care about a coffee shop? In addition to all everything that TJ just said, can you talk a little bit about that? Why this is important from a big picture city building perspective. Yeah, I'd love to. And TJ, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> because um, I think we all came to the table thinking we we're going to be talking about parking. <laughs> right? We're instead getting a lesson in city building yeah. um, through this discussion. Mm. 
so I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, when I started my career, I was all excited about participating in city building by going out and designing and building things, right? Mm -hmm. And learn pretty quickly that uh, you can design and build stuff, but if it isn't right for the inhabitants that are going to be bringing it to life, then it really doesn't matter a lot. Mm -hmm. And that complexity of city building is a part that uh, I've learned to appreciate. No, because cities are like giant organisms, right? They're, they're living organisms. You don't just go make one and it comes to life. Right? That's, yeah. that's not how things work. That's why there are such things as ghost towns. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's why half the towns that got built in Western expansion didn't, didn't make it because mm-hmm. it's so much serendipity. It's so much uh, human drive. It's, a, it's all individual based about what they're trying to do with their lives and all we're trying to do as cities is just to do exactly what you're doing with your shop. So we're trying to create opportunity and get out of the way. Mm-hmm. That, that would be the goal. Now, that's not been the, the reality for many years now. We've tried to codify how you put cities together. And, you know, the parking takes us right back to this complexity of, you know, we've been trying to codify them for how you put places for cars to get around together. And it's created a totally different value system than what we need to allow cities to flourish, to allow people to flourish. This notion of making cities, of building cities is, you know, it's easier to imagine in terms of bricks and mortars and streets and buildings. And, and we figured out like, like the strong town message, what the, what the proper way of putting together places for human occupation, human engagement, and we built that way for, you know, after learning for thousands of years, and then we changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know what the pattern is. So we, we can easily get back to that pattern once we learn the importance of that pattern. But most of us have grown up with this other pattern and with this different value system. Mm-hmm. And so we don't recognize that we're keeping things from happening that are the good we're trying to do. When we choose to be a public servant, when we choose to run for office, when we, you know, all these folks that are in these roles that are creating this outcome, I'm, I'm convinced they're not doing it because they think it's the right thing to do from a, a city building perspective. They just are doing what they are following the, the leader, right? They're mm-hmm. following whoever did it before or whatever over the last 75 years of mistakes. Um, so we're having to unlearn that. And uh, you know, the gratifying thing is, is that there's been a lot of new interest in understanding why we failed and why we're struggling and and how to get back to the simple rules of allowing for people to find their way and to flourish on their own. So I love that you said it just like that mm-hmm. because it's facts. When I was putting the idea of kinship to a place, I looked at the map and I looked at and I and I didn't think of priorities of sales. <laughs> That's probably a bad thing for a business owner. <laughs> I honestly looked at development. At that time when I was looking at that in 2016, I was going through a pretty bad breakup in Prairie Village. And Prairie Village was flipping itself on its end with purchase home purchase buys of of two and three bedrooms at four, four, you know, just shy of 400,000 without an unfinished basement, getting completely torn down in a $700,000 house being built, Mm. you know, and I, I can't comprehend that, but that happens. And 
that was happening in Prairie Village. And then what was happening down south in Leewood and what was happening on the east side in Waldo and then Midtown was starting to explode and the car was starting to come through. Um, so there's all of these developments. And I'm thinking just like you, the organism aspect of Kansas City, Missouri and the metro as a whole and seeing how these federal and state local government development money is starting to funnel through mm. the city and where it's going. And I kept looking and I said, you know what? The Bagans, where are they? <laughs> and I said, the last two places that are going to be developed in, I have not been wrong. And I've been saying this since 2016. That's crazy. Is the stadium still not developed and KCK still not developed. And the reason why I wanted to go there is because that's where all the black and brown people are. City builders figure that out. And number two, the nuance of coffee and what this is and where it originated from mm. was from Africa, mm. which is very much in tune with these cultural based communities that are in KCK's situation, like 30% refugee. And, and speak a completely different language. And, and their history of, of, their appreciation of history in American, uh, Americanism is not there, right? They don't even really want to go to the grocery store because it's not the market. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. And so, you know, when we moved in, we were, we were neighbors to an African-owned dress shop. When we first moved in, they've since relocated. But... She would work during the day and she would communicate and talk with her family overnight. Mm -hmm. And she would always like take snapshots and screenshots and share them on her page of what her family and her country were doing. And it was just a part of her business and what she shared about her business, which was awesome. Makes amazing, beautifully handcrafted dresses, African design. It's just amazing. And she would get out of her car. I would see nine people get out of her car with kids and all, and they would walk across my, my parking lot and go into their business. And I did not care. I waved every time her name's Lillian. Hey Lily, you know, just always wave. But that aspect, I never got that when I was running my business in Johnson County. Right. You know, it was not, it. you know, Hey DJ, Hey Steve. And that was it. You know, that, that's just, <laughs> That's just what it was. And that's fine. And that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. That's just, that's fine. It, but, but Johnson County is also under the preface that they're being diverse, inclusive, right? They're trying to do these things. Cause that's like 2020. That's their focus. That's the shift. That's the pivot. But really it's just nice. It sounds good. It's a marketing word. It's a push button that people love to push. But in, in reality, I was the only black owned business on Johnson drive. When the city admission was needing to write their new compliance, they reached out to me and they were like, would you be on our compliance team? Would you let us build a new city ordinance? We need your help. You're helping our community. I was doing stuff. Uh, and when I relocated my insurance business to mission, I started a group with another business owner. Her, her name's Jennifer. And we, we, we created the mission business district and it's mm -hmm. still a thing. It's, it, it's, it's an entity that we created. And it's just a curated event group of people that just did like sidewalk sales down Johnson Drive. And so we would do those for the small businesses during 2020 because we saw that if you weren't on social media, you were gonna lose it. And we had four businesses on Johnson Drive within walking distance that made the KC pitches best up. 
it was Werner's, it was a brewery, it was Lulu's, she won Thrift Shop of the Year. It was all these places. And I'm like, I don't want to see these businesses go. I don't, they don't have like, not Lulu's, but some of these places don't have really good social media. We need to help them drive business. We've got to do events. We've got to figure out how to get. And so we did sidewalk sales. We'd see a couple thousand people on a Saturday, walk the streets, shop the shops and support the businesses. And so mission was like, we love what you're doing. We want more of that. We want to, and they showed me value. They were like, we're trying to rebuild our city. They are still trying to do that. They wanted value. When they said, uh, the, the survey said that they were diverse and that they were inclusive. I looked in a room of all white people and said, is it really that diverse in here? And they were like, Shh. right. But then the survey of, 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 of the, of what they did in their consensus was actually true. Mission Kansas. And this is, this was, this is like, I'm, I'm going to make these two make sense here real quick. We were doing a sidewalk sale and I was an insurance agent. And I had a guy come up to me. He lived in mission down the street. And he said, if you can beat my insurance rate, you got my business. And I was like, oh, boy, this is great. And I said, well, what do you drive? He's like, I drive a 1993 Ford Ranger, and I have liability insurance on it only. I pay $390 a year. Please tell me you can beat that. And I'm thinking, this is a joke, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to try to go through this guy's, like, insurance policy and make $20 a year and just – Right off into the sunset, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. But really what I understood and what the general consensus was, after I did this time on this compliance board, here's the survey. Mission Kansas is the lowest income per capita of all of Johnson County. Hmm. Mission Kansas is the highest diverse race, like race diverse city in all of Johnson County. So when they were saying they were diverse, I said, you are, but you're not inclusive. So there's a there's a there's a value proposition problem, right? You're not actually valuing your diversity. Yes, you're diverse. Look at the facts. Here's the people that live there, but you're not valuing them. Those people, when we put out a map, where do the black people live? They all lived on areas that were not developed in Mission, Kansas. How about that? Okay, when we talked about the value of money, they wanted single family homes. They didn't want tenants. They didn't want so this is exactly What's going on in KCK? Mm. Those people do not want apartment complexes. They want single family homes. They are also the lowest income earning potential. 66101, 66102, my zip codes, where my shop is, are the lowest earning income habitats of all of the zip codes in Wyandotte County. Wyandotte County is the lowest income for all of Kansas and does not really do much when it comes to getting federal policy. They won a lawsuit from the Supreme Court 10 years ago because Kansas was allocating funds to Johnson County differently than Wyandotte County for educational purposes. So so there's been like, you said 75 years, Dennis. You're probably right, 75 years of dysfunction at KCK. Mm -hmm. What I realized in this is that there was a value proposition issue. Like people are not value. And so yeah. what, what I realized is like, I can serve people in Johnson. Like I always give this example. I'm serving a customer from Johnson County. I give them a plate of something to eat. They look at the plate and they say, gosh, you know, this looks really good, but this plate, there's a little bit of crusty stuff on it. Could I get a new plate? I get them a new plate. They eat the food. They thank me. They go on their way. And I'm like, great, perfect. I serve that same dish to a Wyandotte native, same crusty plate. They eat all the food. 
they eat all the food. They're super thankful. They're very grateful. They're, they tell me they'll come back and they love the food. And as they leave, they go, by the way, there was a little bit of crusty, dirty stuff on my plate, but I loved it. And, and both interactions, Abby and Dennis, are amazing interactions to be witnessing to, right? But here's the issue. There's a value problem. One person does not feel worthy of a clean plate. Mm. And so they don't ask for it. And so what, what really, what you were saying, Dennis, and what I'm trying to ta- track here is you're like, you're right. There's the ways we used to do things. And then there's these new people that are coming into this community and there's this vision that we all can align with, with positive, you know, finances and commerce and community and culture. And, you know, there's no no barriers to health and wellness and education in these communities. So, so we want all of these things to happen. We're facilitating all of that. But there's this old way we used to do it. And, and nobody's like, well, is that working for us right now? Like, like, and you had said what's increased recently is the heightened concern over what's been going wrong, mm-hmm. right? More people are realizing and asking, why is this this way? And b- the answer is, well, this is just the way it's always been. And you're like, and that's okay? Like, that's an okay answer? Right. And so to me nowadays, it's, I got elected to be on a, on a, on a downtown shareholders uh, board for KCK. And I told the district, I said, I, the district rep that appointed me, I said, are, are you trying to run next year? And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, well, I don't know if you want me on this board. And he's like, excuse me. And I was like, look, man, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't want nothing to do with politics. And I'm here to shake some trees. And he was just like, shake the trees, man. He's one of the younger people that's new in office that wants to see this change. That aligns with positive impact in the culture and the community. And, and the problem that KCK has is it's competing. It's competing against Big Brother KCMO. Mm. And I'm under this impression, just stop. Like, we're not even close to the same. You know, it's people, commerce, way of life, operations. It's all different, you know. Right. Um, might as well be a completely different city, if I'm being honest. Right. But that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> but, but just with all of these things, it's, it's just it makes way more sense to, to start working and focusing on the future of what you would want to see happen in your community. And, I, and if anything, my hope is that the article would wake that up. Yeah. You know, that Kevin and the people at Kansas City Star, that all that work wasn't for nothing. It woke them up. Like the young people, whoa, UG is woke. KCK is woke now. Maybe that opens it up. But it's it's definitely something that's like being the new person and wanting to see the, the, the progression and see like I've been here and I've seen all these things over the last 20-ish months. It's not going to continue to get much better than this if, if things don't start changing because people like me won't want to be there. It feels like what we're kind of getting to is this question of what city building even is mm. and the role that leadership, a board of zoning appeals could be playing in this really complex system of city building, yeah. which is ultimately rooted in people. It is about people. You can have a ghost town that has all the buildings, but without the people, it is not a city. Mm -hmm. And value comes from people and it doesn't come from parking Mm -hmm. and it doesn't come from looking at things 
projects, real estate transactions in a vacuum. That community is truly about the people. And I don't know if that is just a perspective issue with a lot of leadership that are looking at things in a vacuum and assessing things based on the way things have always been. I mean, Dennis, how how would you, I guess, wake up these perspectives? It's It seems like that we're not leading with people when we're looking at things in this way. That's fair because we're leading with processes and systems and it's all been, you know, whatever the motivations were, right or wrong, it's all been structured in ways that are counter to nature and to the human endeavor and all that. And how we work through and get to a point where a community as tight as the dot, mm-hmm. right? That there, there is so much pride in being yes. a, a native of the Wyandotte County area. Yeah. Uh, so you got that as a fundamental, you know, natural resource there exactly. to work with helping them understand that they're really all about building community rather than regulating placemaking. It's a different way than the world's structured. The more enlightened we become, the closer we'll get to getting back to that simple, uh, I say simple, that that blessing of having enough people to come together to create a community that creates a collective intelligence that makes things go forward. You know, that's, that's why cities get built. But it's all based on just serendipity and and good fortune in a lot of ways. And then add to that all the hard work that you know goes behind what you pulled off so far. But people live for that. Yeah. And that's, that's, what, that's what we as a species are driven to do. And if we get back to creating places allow for us to thrive, then good for us. But it's a different perspective coming to it from we're trying to facilitate life rather than trying to regulate you know, placemaking. Yeah. And I think it's also hard when there's, there's barriers that affect the trajectory of where you might be. You know, I think there's like financial barriers that the city has that affects their trajectory of where they want to be. Mm. And I think the, the, the idea of where they want to be financially and how to be are very different. I think like there's, there's a ton of demand and services and needs that this community has, but there's maybe too little of the amount of people to work and manage those services and provide those services and, and show up for those services and, and grassroots, you know, if it's, if it's one-to-one on parking and we're valuing parking, you already know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we're talking about the one-to-one and parking, and needing to provide a service to a developer and 60 people in Wyandotte County. Well, what about the other half 350,000 people that have services and needs or, or specifically for this, we're not doing one-to-one for that. We're not even emailing them back when they ask us for the services. Not and because we wouldn't want to. Exactly. It's because we've gotten to a situation where we can't, we can't afford to. We can't afford we don't have to. enough people to address that level of need. So, so then transparency, right, is like the sheath. Oh, my gosh, right? When, it's, when the veil's unlifted and transparency is given, response happens. Action is like the next step if it's, if it's not denied, right? If, if, if I'm telling you how I feel, 
and I've, I've lifted the veil about you, Dennis. And, and if it's, if you're not in shock, the way you might respond, right. It would, it would be from that, you know, and that's, that's, that's a part where it's scary with leadership. You know, I'm experiencing as a business owner, it's scary to have transparency as a business owner. It's scary to probably have transparency as a chief of police with KCK right now, with the young boy that was shot. There's an investigation over an unarmed man that was an African-American that got shot two weeks ago. Uh, there's an investigation on the Galutsky with uh, uh, his 30, 43 years as a detective running a brothel and a sex trade business underneath his uh, his job. And there's all these investigations and then there's an there's a $20 million investigation on their, the, the way they spend their money as employees. Uh, they give 10% of their employees. There's 3,000-ish employees that work for the unified government. 10% of them have access to $20 million a year. And I don't understand that because I, I don't give any of my employees access to a different card. Yeah, but I'm a small business and they're a mega business. So wouldn't that kind of translate to even more security? But it's those things that I you just doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think transparency and admitting where we went wrong becomes that problem with leadership. Yeah. And, and I, that's the transparency. I, I, I feel like at least for me as a business owner, I should be owed that with this parking situation, mm-hmm. given transparency from the parking committee. Hey, our fault, you know, that I'm not going to hear that, you know, what's funny and I'll leave the name out of it, but there's been multiple, you know, we, we are literally neighbors to Wyandotte County, uh, the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. We, we have seen him once or twice a year. You know, he does not carry meetings. And, and, and back, to, back to the community and the value system and the dysfunction of the community between the unified government, we found out when we opened up in 2021 that we were the only business open between 7 and 4 p.m., that wasn't serving alcohol that you could have a meeting. And when you think about that in Johnson County and in Jackson County, there's coffee shops everywhere. We talked about the saturated market and those meetings are happening all the time. It's a lifestyle. If Mm -hmm. we were doing this here and we could find a coffee settings quaint and quiet enough, we would be doing it probably there. Who knows? Right. But the point is, is that lifestyle is not, it hasn't been supported or acted upon ever in Wyandotte County where we're at. And so we actually realized, and I noticed with sales, this is going to be hard. Uh, (laughs) We are introducing an entire new lifestyle. People would walk by, there would be people sitting inside doing their thing because they understand what that lifestyle is. And there'd be people walking by and they'd be like, I wonder what they're doing in there. (laughs) What are you doing in there? What are you doing in there? Like, what is going on, you know? And and that was fair and that was fine. But I think what what I realized was, that's the communication dysfunction. Mm. That's not happening. We're still doing old school. Let's meet in the office between this time and this time kind of thing. Mm. We're not having colleagues collect camaraderie moments and hanging out together. And that's not really happening. That's not coming from leadership for sure, because I'm not seeing it from the mayor. Mm. Okay. So, so with that being said, We've had a lot of people that work for the mayor that come into our office, right? We've had a lot of people come in and say, you know, it's, it's a great job. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm thankful that I get to work for this community and in this community. But I get thrown under the bus a lot for the things that I don't have control over. So this situation hits the news. 
I have a regular sitting at my bar. I'm serving him and he's reading the paper and he's wanting the cliff notes. And so I'm telling him the cliff notes. I'm not realizing who's behind them, but it's the second man in command for the mayor. And again, a big time leader in our community. And he jumps in to the conversation, fine with that, and says, oh, no, this isn't a city's issue. Because I'm telling him, all oh, the, the paper, Kevin, they did a great job. They really put the city on their heels and in a tough situation. And this person jumps in and says, oh, no, that's not, for, that's not the city. It's not the city's problem. It's the parking and zoning committee's problem. And that's validation, right? And so, and so what I realized with the leadership in Wyandotte County is I may never get to transparency hmm. because I don't think they have the accountability. I don't think they have the gonads or the spine to say, we messed up. It's our fault. We, we need help. We don't have enough people. Hmm. And that transparency is hard because honestly, with everything going on, you damn near have to beg the community to come help you now. You know, it gets that bad, right? If you've been in a, as a business owner in that situation and you finally ask for help, but nobody wants to come help the business owner after that. And so that leadership and that transparency and that veil, oh man, it's important. It's way important. Well, and I think it gets to what... What even is the city, yeah. right? Because in a functioning society, we are the city, right? We are not subjects of the city. The citizens are the city and the city works on behalf of the citizens mm -hmm. in, a, in a functioning society, yeah. right? You look at Wyandotte County specifically and Kansas City has the same issue. It's vast. Yeah. The, the land area, the context, the populations it serves. So when you have this committee and even internally, you'll have silos. There's this committee, there's that committee, there's this department, there's that department. It's not our department, it's that department. You know, it, that happens even within organizations, within cities and municipalities. It's, I think, challenging in places where the people who are making decisions are not rooted mm -hmm. in the place mm -hmm. that they are representing and are not thinking about the dynamics and the nuance and the importance of how things work together and operate together. They're, as Dennis said, facilitating processes based on what the book says, mm -hmm. what the, what people have been doing for 75 years, which is valuing parking, driving, the door to Wyandotte County is about eight highways. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you can fast. figure out how yeah. to get there. It's, I mean, it, it's a very car oriented kind of place. Yeah. And that has been the value. And it it's incredibly important, I think, for us to be to start thinking about ourselves as the city, that mm -hmm. this shouldn't yeah. be us versus them. And we are not subjects of a city. Yeah. So that's a, a very enlightened perspective. That was, that feels good coming from the, the was, wise Buddha. No, that, was, that was great. <laughs> I like so I, I don't know the motivations of the leadership. I just know the world that we live in. Yeah. Um, which is more and more and more becoming less and less civil. Yeah, I completely appreciate the transparency perspective. 
that takes a safe place, right? To mm-hmm. feel like you can expose yourself. Yeah. You know, that's in sympathy to the f- folks on the, the Board of Zoning Appeal, yeah. for example. They may feel differently, but they they, they, they have a job to do. Right? Exactly. They're not going to crawl out of that, that job unless they feel it's safe for them to do that. Mm-hmm. And the world we've set up is not that world. Yeah. The understanding that Abby just put on the table is not the general understanding of how the world works. We've kind of confused ourselves to think the world works better this way, and now we're living with all the dysfunction of it. But we're in search of that understanding. So that's the reason why we all keep doing it, because it's the nature of the species, right? Yeah. Is to continue to thrive for that better version of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. So we're about 50 minutes in, and I want to be respectful of your old time. This, this is, is amazing. So <laughs> TJ, before I know I could talk about this all day, before we do wrap, I want to hear you talk about what's next. Oh. Where is this heading? Is yeah. there a chance? Is there Can is. this be turned around? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like what the agenda is right now on my plate to accomplish this feat of of buying our building is working really smart. We are in a corner. We have a deadline and a timetable. It would be very easy to work with the first 14 people that I had meetings with about being investors, but I didn't want to be in a position where I was desperate or needing to be in a position where I could be taken advantage of. So I actually have had this plan in the back of my pocket for like since we opened and found out who this person was. Um, but there's a person that is the president of a development group in Kansas City, Kansas, who have had a mission over the last 20 years to really help, you know, align with the community on what what's needed, but also ma- mainly fight gentrification. And I'll say it, you know, that that's a community housing of Wyandotte County. That's the development group. Um, they are a real estate uh, wing that is attached to Catholic charities. And so finances aren't that big of a problem for them to be able to go to war with gentrification. Because of that work over the last so many decades, they've developed a great relationship with the unified government. And so they actually help manage some, some land bank properties for the unified government. They do primarily lots of building projects where they're leased to own opportunities for people to continue to stay and live in their communities and carry and win equity every month as those payments are made. And so as I developed these facts about this organization and this person that was frequenting our business, I just made the pitch and uh, it was very just tongue in cheek. And they were like, yeah, that sounds great. And then then the whole thing, and then I got the phone call and the offer was made. And I was like, I called this person and I said, hey, uh, it's go time. You know, we, we got to go. <laughs> In the conversation, we've had some great understanding uh, because of that knowledge of what they have. The funny or part and most maybe coincidental part about this is the developer that currently made the offer on our building. Again, that, that property and that development is adjacent to the intersection, but across the street from them. Mm -hmm. But what's most crazy is about 400 yards 
north of that development that they're proposing to build is another development that community housing of Wyandotte County has purchased a month prior to these guys. Um, and they're putting 200 units that are uh, mixed income into this building. And so what I was proposing uh, was, could these two work it out together to build this parking structure between the two of them, honoring the parking and planning committee and honestly, probably saving the two some money in the process with that. And so community housing was like, absolutely, we're going to propose that to them. Uh, we're also going to, you know, maybe talk to some people in the planning committee for you and just, uh, you know, do the brotherly thing, you know, and I was very appreciative to hear that they were already, without asking, in motion to do that. Mm. And so we feel really confident and good about the, the partnership with them. Um, that would be something that we would carry equity into this building immediately, which is amazing uh, without cash being in, needing to be involved and, and then, you know, having a, a lease to own opportunity with that wow. as well. And so the plan in that agenda is, is to really solidify that. Um, shortly after that, I do know that we will be looking to acquire land um, that the, the whole focus of, of the beginning of the year for us was to to make an offer in September on this building. So we're just kind of expediting this a little bit, but we're going to buy this building. And, and the second goal for our business was to purchase land. Mm. Um, we, we want to have a facility that is within a five to 10 minute drive of our shop, still in Wyandotte County, primarily on Quindaro Boulevard. There's some opportunities with some land bank parcels that the community or that unified government is allowing developers to come and develop uh, for great great opportunities uh, financially to do, but having like a roasting and kitchen space um, along with uh, a collaborative workspace for black and brown creatives, utilizing these resources like the kitchen equipment. And, you know, we've been talking with a, uh, getting a smoke, like an actual industrial commercial grade smoke smoker, like that smokes meats. We have smoked meats on our menu, so it kind of makes sense, but also, we're thinking about this more as an incubator space for businesses that have creatives that just don't have the finances or the resources to own this equipment. And mm. so we're going to be working on, you know, renting these equipments out like a T-shirt press or just different types of production manufacturing things that we need um, when we're not fully operational at all the times. We want people to be able to have access to them and be able to have that at a nominal rate and make their money and be profitable. And so we wanna provide that space and we also wanna provide like business courses and we've talked with some community partners. Um, Gabe Munoz is the, uh, honestly, he's the man. Like I love that dude. <laughs> he's just awesome, but he founded the Toolbox KC. They're a Brown initiative focused uh, language barrier breaker, uh, business savant. That's what Gabe is. He's the connector and liaison for any Hispanic speaking person, but goes even further for black people too. And so uh, we actually want to create a foundation under our business in, in, in the future and, and be able to kind of gift an endowment every year and have that toolbox location, which does not have a permanent place be our permanent place at this new location that we would build hmm. and have a facility where we would have and what we notice is creatives are so creative. They don't have like that business background breakdown <laughs> thing, you know, that you need. And so with Toolbox, we really hope that we can create a really good relationship with them to facilitate their growth and what they want to see happen. 
but more so with the community and the black and brown and people and creatives that we want to support. And so we want to put the two together and provide that as a resource because we feel like lots of initiatives that are great, like Gift and Porterhouse KC, and there's just a long list of so many great organizations that are financially doing so much for that, that those cultures, but reality, like if we're going to sit down and talk business, what's the solvency and the efficiency of those businesses that are still in business after mm-hmm. receiving grants? Um, and I, I don't know if those statistics would be exciting to hear. And so I would guess a large part of that is because there's not these these resources that are being taught mm-hmm. um, or these these things that are given access to. And so we feel like if we had a booth fee of $20, $30, $50 for you to come in every month and work from and be around collaborative people and you know, we, we need a roll call for photographers and models and graphic designers for our business so we can have this all in-house and show appreciation and representation and uplifting people and connecting people to their business. This bag design was designed by this artist who operates here and they have their stuff on retail and they made this bag and our shirts. And, you know, we want to be able to, by association, say we know them and they worked with us and this is what we made. You know, it's very simple, but I think... This building purchase is what kind of allows us to build the rest of that ecosystem for us to facilitate. And I think in KCK, that's unheard of. (laughs) Um, We want to be a regional based manufacturer, which in KCK is unheard of. Um, And the other aspect is 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 cliche. Um, But if Oprah wants to come to Kansas City, and she wants to know where all the black creatives are. I want her to come to Kinship Cafe. I want her to see, I want people that want to travel to this area and are tourists seeing this area to see where the black creatives go. Where, where are they at? Where can I see their art? Where can I see their products at? Um, black Pantry is a business in Missouri that's doing that really well. We want to do that really well in KCK. And I feel like we can do a lot with coffee. And so we say sip with intention. We are the community brew and taste the kindness yeah that's beautiful well tj thanks so much for joining today i so appreciate what you're doing to me that is what city building is all about that you are a city builder and these are the kinds of things that can't be you can't regulate it you can't facilitate it through a process so what you're doing is I think really important. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming today and, you know, on a Thursday morning, I'm sure you guys are super busy. So I Probably. do appreciate that. My team's got it. <laughs> Dennis, thank you so much for the time. And I appreciate, hopefully there was something that, I mean, you, you, like she said, have later like Gandhi, you know, I'm learning yeah. more and more about you, but uh, <laughs> you also carry this presence that's calm and collective and Hopefully there is something that I said that resonated with you. You know, it's always something that I like to be in a room with people that are smarter than me, but I like to leave a good impression, you know, and I like to leave a lasting impression. So I appreciate you made it. a lot of assumptions just now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has been a real treat and uh, made my weekend. So oh, thank <laughs> it's you. a good start to a weekend. <laughs> um, so before we wrap today, yeah. it is time for the down zone, which is the part of the show where we can share Anything that we have been up to these days or anything we'd like to share, a book, music, anything like that. So I'm going to throw it to you, TJ. Yeah. What would you like to share? Um, let's see. Like, you know, when I'm like spinning and going, 
I do have to find myself grounded and yeah. centered. Um, and so a lot of times that's like journaling. Um, I journal a lot and my phone, the capacity that it has for my journals is amazing. <laughs> I love it. That's a way for me to kind of like process things, but I, I also really love music. That's something I've been passionate about for a long time. Uh, played drums since I was five. Um, and I was born with seven fingers. So that's a, there's a trait to it that I feel like it was a gift. And not, I, I didn't go to get traditional lessons or be taught by a mentor or anyone. It was just something I found passion for. Saw my brother as a drummer and just kind of picked up and learned myself. And so I love to drum. It helps me kind of feel grounded. It's a little therapeutic for me. Some of the things that I write sometimes can become poetry or spoken word through that. And then I like just gave my dog a bath and my dog, <laughs> he doesn't get enough of them probably. I know he doesn't actually from the people I know. Um, but it's just so great when you see it, it like when you can't like I was washing him last night and just after the bath, like I saw my dog's personality change. And yeah. I saw his like the cleanliness of what he felt, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like, man. I need it. Like, and I had taken a shower already, but I was just like, man, that's, that is basically what I feel when I take a shower, yeah. you know? So that's what's been on my dog. How about you, Jess? Oh, man, TJ just redefined the down zone. <laughs> yeah, straight up. <laughs> so I'd love for everybody to read a book that the guy named Tim Urban just published. Okay. Our friend Julian Nelson Mears put me onto this a few weeks ago, and um, I just finished it the other day. Tim Urban is um, one of these people who can explain really complicated things so that I can understand it. Mm. And he does it through you know, a very approachable writing style and through these little drawings that he does. But he's in this book, which is called uh, What's Our Problem, which he's worked on for the last six years. He, he creates a way for us to understand how we've gotten to the lack of What's the opposite of civility? Uncivility? Toxic? Chaos? Toxic? Toxicity? (laughs) Yeah, and all the reasons behind that, which, again, understanding is the first step. So it's such a gift to have that so clearly put down in a way that, um, uh, again, somebody like me can understand. Uh, So I just encourage everybody to go take a look at that, to get some insights into why the world's getting to be the way it is. And as he ends the book with, uh, our pathway forward. Mm. So. so my down zone is that so last weekend we have an annual neighborhood cleanup day and a community garden prep day so basically it's my favorite day of the year really everybody comes out meets at the garden there's a landscape company in the neighborhood that donates a bunch of stuff and we just start working and cleaning everything up and prepping all the garden beds and getting everything ready. There's people rebuilding the the beds and, you know, we're all working around each other. And it's, I don't know, there's something so special about that day. And I just, it really means a lot to me to be able to come out and meet neighbors and all work on something and then see the in process and yeah Yeah. it's it's really it's really pretty cool and i think it's something that's unique about about the neighborhood that i'm in in particular people are so committed to improving the neighborhood and making it better and working together it's like a 
the the way they all work together is like a machine. It's amazing how how well everybody works together and people volunteer their time and this person organizes the dumpster and this poor person donates this and you know, we've got Garozo's, which is an old Italian restaurant that's been around forever. So They're good. donating food and everybody eats together. It's just, it's cool. That it's is really, really special. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's that's a living you, organism right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really feel that way about, about the neighborhood. One. Yeah. It's right. like a, it's, it's a healthy functioning society. Mm-hmm. It, it gives me this sense of like civility, mm-hmm. society function that you don't experience always at you know the government municipal you don't really get that same sense of what community is and so it's just something that it's like my favorite it's one of my favorite days of the year as as kind of silly or sad as that sounds i like love when everybody comes together and works to accomplish an objective and that is cleaning up the neighborhood and getting garden boxes prepped and now I have a bunch of tomatoes and I'm going to mm. plant them this weekend. Yeah. So, Good yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for your community. Yeah. So we'll end it there. Okay. Thank you both so much for joining today. And thanks everybody for listening to another episode of UpZoned. Keep doing what you can to build a strong town. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let me show you what I'm about to do.